war, and his vice presidential candidate was Calvin Coolidge. And we can easily remember his name because Carding, uh, Carding would not sign, uh, serve out his whole uh, four years in office. He would die in the third year, and the vice president, Coolidge, would become president, and then uh, one year later would be elected in his own right for one four-year term. man that was generally known as Silent Cal because he did not like to, uh, to talk a whole lot. But uh, in any event, we're interested in it because it was the election of 1920 that provided the occasion for the broadcast by KDKA, a fully licensed station. It was a scheduled broadcast. People had been told it was going to happen, and uh, it was for a station that was listed as a commercial station. Now, I have to go back and say there were any number of uh, experimental radio stations on the air, and one of those is WWJ in Detroit, which was about um, three months ahead of KDKA, but... Uh, they did not uh, meet the the uh, standards. Uh, they did not have a stand a, a scheduled broadcast, and I don't think they had a commercial license. But when you say what was the first radio station in the United States, there are several uh, stations that claim to be the first. There was a station in Wisconsin, WHA, in in uh, the capital of Wisconsin, and Madison, and. Uh, a case station in California, KPO, which had been on the air since uh, 1909, but its broadcasts were irregular. Now, one of the reasons that I am interested in this is I love the history of radio. I used to be a history teacher, and I work at WPTF, which in September celebrated its 96th birthday. It's just four years behind the granddaddy of them all, KDKA. And in fact, it was after KDKA had did this broadcast that it demonstrated the possibilities of broadcasting news and election returns so that people would know in, in the far reaches of Pittsburgh or Pennsylvania, the Northeast, or indeed the eastern half of the United States, and probably even further than that, who had won without having to wait for the newspaper the next day. And sometimes I think being from eastern North Carolina, what a, what a blessing it was for people after 1924, to have WPTF, the only radio station that was in Raleigh until the late 1930s. For about 15 years, it was the only station, but it was a powerful enough station, uh, not as powerful as it is now, that it would reach uh, to the eastern half of the state, and people in in Jacksonville or in Wellington or Laurenburg or Roanoke Rapids or wherever could know the winner of the election. Uh, in the Harding-Hawks election, or for the governorship of North Carolina, or whatever, and get weather information so, so they could be aware there were going to be the possibility of storms, like there was, in fact, in, in North Carolina today, or uh, farm news, the prices of uh, commodities and what they were being sold at. All of that was possible instantaneously, and it was broadcast by a radio station. And then I connect this, then, with... Uh, the, the, the first station, KEKA, and lots of stations, I think about three or 400 stations came on the air. Not all of them survived. Not all of them are still on the air. Many of them still are. Uh, if you find a radio station, for instance, with three call letters, you're likely to have got one of the ones that came on very early. Uh, the last three-letter call was issued by the Federal Communications Commission in 1930, and it was WIS in Columbia, South Carolina. The only station in North Carolina, by the way, older than WPTF, is WBT in Charlotte. 
that came on the air in 1922, and there you see that what I tell you is true. It is a three-letter station, and it has been on about two years, two and a half years longer than WPTF. The WPTF was 96 years old on uh, September 22nd of uh, the year 2020. And what I forgot was to pause a day somewhere near the, the election and to devote a, a, a part of a radio broadcast, as we are in fact doing tonight, to uh, reminding people of that little piece of history. Because it was, it was from there that the number of radio stations, I can think of WBZ in Boston. If you're a New Englander, you certainly know about that station. Any number of stations in New York that uh, may not have had the same call letters. There was a, we now have a WABC in New York and a WCBS. They used to be a WNBC. They were all the lead stations, the flagship stations, so to speak, of their networks. WABC and WCBS still exist. Uh, WNBC is uh, for sports fans. That's the colors of WFAN, the fan, and they're the station that you can listen to because it's AM radio. Now, we've got to remember that mostly it was AM radio until after World War II. And the stations you could get at night were from a distance. It was, it was like a, a mini form of shortwave, which shortwave broadcast brought the world to your doorstep if you had a shortwave radio. It had Europe, Asia, wherever. But uh, sometimes when I tell people this about the AM stations, they say, uh, the next time I see them, well, you know, I heard a station in Chicago, I heard a station in St. Louis or New Orleans. And those are places that are very easy to get. And when I was a kid, I sat there with the radio long before we had television and listened to those places. New Orleans, I could hear the Lone Ranger on New Orleans. It, it, people would say, Tommy, do you ever hear that station? It has its studios in the Roosevelt Hotel. And, of course, I did. If you're old enough, you may remember listening to WWL. Uh, before the time of networks and TV and so on, you could have listened to the hurricanes that came in this year on WWL, and I have, have done that when there were no TVs or other ways of listening possible. But the possibility of FM broadcasting at night is, the, the, as the sun goes down, the stations from distant cities become possible to hear. We may take a little, talk a little bit about that tonight, too. We can, in fact, talk about any number of subjects. One thing that I thought about being nostalgic about tonight, and we may come back to this because we try to do at least one of these programs a week, is uh, toys. This is the time of year when, I, when, you, when you were young, you thought about toys and what kind of toy you wanted. Now, a lot of toys were invented after I uh, was old enough to have one of them. But I always wished that I had, they had invented the big wheel before I was too old to ride on a big wheel. We'll talk some about toys, some, some about presents, some about, well, think about what is the one thing that you may have wanted in your life that you haven't gotten yet? What is the one thing down at the bottom of that bucket that you'd like to have? Uh, I think I've gotten most of the things I've wanted, but I would be interested in your tale. Everybody has a story to tell, and you can tell yours at 860-9783 with a 919 in front of that. John? We'll be back. The last day of November, the year has come by. 
Sometimes it seems very slowly and sometimes very fast. I think mostly fast, but it's really been a weird year for me personally and for you and the country generally. And uh, one of the things that I'm interested in, that it, it covers nostalgia for the first part of this year. And we tried this one night and really didn't get any any response, but uh, I think it's a worthy worthy uh, subject to talk about. By the way, one of our regular listeners is, is in, in a, in a uh, rehab situation now, and I, I call that person up because we look after our special listeners. And, uh, and uh, because I remember when I was being rehabbed, uh, there wasn't a whole lot of entertainment, and it was good to have somebody to talk to. So if you've got somebody who's locked up, because most people in nursing home or rehab home situations are, in fact, locked up and uh, because that is a prime site for the uh, coronavirus uh, to attack. So you people just get locked in, and, and indeed I was locked in for three months. And Glad to be out and glad to be here, but I need you to talk to me now on the radio. I've been thinking that maybe we should have really kept the name Talk with Tom to be the name of the show when we had it some time ago. But the, the number is 919-860-9783. We are being nostalgic tonight. And the one thing I have suggested that I'm nostalgic about is the history of, of uh, the first radio broadcast of a scheduled newscast. That's the beginning of newscast. And in the 20s, along with a lot of radio stations coming on, two of the four, and in fact, sort of three of the four, but well, let's just say two of the four major networking operations uh, came into being. I guess in America, they really had for a while uh, two choices uh, of how they would broadcast largely to a lot of people. They could have a few very powerful stations on that had powers not of 50,000 watts, which is pretty powerful, but like in Europe where the stations, some of them have 250,000 watts or 500,000 and cover much more territory. The alternative to that was having a lot of stations in a lot of, of towns and networking so that the, the way you would hear the ball game in Notre Dame versus Michigan or, or whatever, the Yankees versus the Dodgers would be over a network station rather than trying to get WLW in Cincinnati, which indeed for a time had 500,000 watts in the late 1930s. So one of those models had to be adopted, and it was largely the network model that was adopted in the United States. But two radio networks were formed in the middle of the 20s uh, once they had realized, and it was in the early part of the 20s, after the KDKA broadcast, that they realized the possibilities of radio, that it could be an instantaneous uh, informant about the news and what was going on, whether it was uh, the explosion of the Hindenburg, the beginning of the war, uh, the, uh, the death of Floyd Collins, now, now, I'm going to sneak in some trivia on you now. Tell me if anybody in the audience knows who Floyd Collins was. One of the first big media things. But what 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 was that all about? 919-860-9783. But instantaneously events could be covered and news could be presented and updated periodically, either an hour or, on the, say, at noon at 3 or at 6. Uh, different ways till we get the, the hourly broadcast that we have and featured at the beginning, in fact, of this program tonight. Uh, the first network that was formed in 1926 was the National Broadcasting Company, which was owned by 
RCA, the network was, and to which uh, WPTF joined in 1928. I think it was supposed to be the 68th station to join NBC. And NBC very quickly had so many affiliates that they divided their uh, networks up into two and with uh, separate sets of programs, or parallel sets of programs. They were, in fact, for the most part, competing with each other. There was the NBC Red Network and the NBC Blue Network, so designated because the pins on the map that showed where the stations were, you know, Omaha and uh, Bismarck and Seattle, were red or perhaps blue. And, and perhaps some large towns like New York or uh, Chicago would have two of them, one for each network. Eventually, I will tell you, uh, the, the investigations into monopoly of broadcasting in the 1940s meant that NBC had to divest itself of the NBC Blue Network. They kept the NBC Red Network because they thought it was the stronger network. And eventually, after a couple of years, NBC Blue turned into what we now know as the American Broadcasting Company, ABC. So its birth date is some date like say 1943, 1944, along in there. NBC, this is your history lesson. Now, there's not going to be a test, by the way. Uh, NBC founded in 1926, and it could carry news broadcast and developing a division that was devoted to news. Uh, and uh, they, they would bring news all over the country, and one would not have to wait for the newspaper the next day or depend on gossip by somebody who had been to the big city. CBS was formed the next year, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Uh, it was totally separate from NBC, and for a great bit of their lives, they competed with each other. CBS continues to exist, but NBC radio uh, disappeared into a conglomerate back in the 1980s. Uh, but NBC television, as you know, it's Raleigh's WRAL as an affiliate, uh, and go, um, Raleigh's Channel 17 is an affiliate of the CBS television network. Each one of these radio networks would, would generate a TV network when the time came for television, which was after World War II. But really, to, to some extent, the golden age of radio was from the 20s when they realized the possibilities of its use as an information source and the possibility of also making a little money out of that. I think the first radio commercial was broadcast in 1924 uh, by a New York radio station advertising a uh, real estate development on Long Island. And it quick, quickly became a case of, of uh, being uh, a money-making medium, and advertising became a, a part of what was going on, like in newspapers and other media. There's one network we haven't mentioned. Uh, just to keep the record straight, the Mutual Broadcasting System was formed in 1934 uh, by four stations. I think a station interconnected it. It was owned by TE, one of the early broadcasters. A station in New York, WOR, a big broadcaster, a station in Detroit, WXYZ, and a station, I believe, in Chicago, WGN. And the one thing that they shared is they all wanted to broadcast a program originated at WXYZ in Detroit, written and produced there, called The Lone Ranger, which had come on the air in 1933 and would last until 1955. And it was one of the most popular broadcasts, two of the most popular broadcasts. And the most popular broadcasting program 
in the late 20s into the 30s with a program called Amos and Andy. And most of you know what that was all about. We can talk about that another night. And The Lone Ranger was a popular show from 1933 until 1955. And I have a pronouncement on that as we move toward the news on the half hour here. I want, as a radio nut and a radio fan as I have been all my life, you must remember, because I belong to the Lone Ranger Club sponsored by Marita Brand, that the Lone Ranger is a radio show. They can make all the movies they want. They can make all the TV shows they want. But it is a radio show. It can only be and reach its possibilities as a radio show. WPTF News Time is 9.30. WPTF Radio, AM 680 and FM 98.5. We're live and in real time, and uh, we hope you will join us. Uh, don't be bashful. If you have a story to tell uh, along the lines of what we're talking about, and, uh, then please join us at 919-860-9783. Before we go on, I've got a couple of pieces of business that we need to to talk about. One of them is to remind you of our friends at uh, King's Auto. When servicing your car, you need to know the cycle of service for your automobile. Your cycle of service begins the month that you buy your car. That cycle does not necessarily match with the normal seasonal changes that you confront. At King's Auto Service, they will schedule your service intervals based on that cycle for those using uh, synthetic oil and driving uh, limited miles. You may go months past the normal service based on those miles. That's the case with Tom Kearney, for instance. I just don't generate as many miles as I used to, and the, the oil is, is good, and the, the servicing can be postponed. I, I used to service my car probably four times, maybe five times a year because I did a lot more miles. Uh, and it was it was good to do that, but it's not necessary to do it now. Uh, during your service at King's Auto, when they do schedule it, they will check wipers, belts, tires, and transmission fluid levels. For those of you currently driving a Toyota Prius or some other hybrid vehicle, the certified, and that word is underlined on my copy here, hybrid technicians at King's are now able to refurbish your high-voltage battery pack for less than the dealer and uh, would charge to replace it. This usually occurs, the, the replacement, by the way, around 150,000 miles. Call Kinks tomorrow and uh, uh, schedule uh, a courtesy battery analysis. Kings Auto Service and Kings uh, Correct Loop, as well as the state inspection station, are easy for you to find at 1039 Northwest Street, in downtown Raleigh and at kingautomotive.net on the web. King's Auto Service, Raleigh's most reliable automobile care since 1946. And that's where we take our two cars. Also, this is where we usually do a little promoing. Uh, And by the way, our schedule is posted with the uh, website every Monday morning. And uh, John told me we're there. And so you can go and look and see what's going to be on every night this week. And the Nostalgia Night, which we will return to in a moment, is listed and listed there. Tomorrow night, Tony Rigsby, our sports guy, will be here. We're going to talk about, well, something that ended about a month ago, uh, maybe a little longer, and that is the baseball season. But uh, we can always get Tony to talk about baseball. But other sports as well, and, and the kind of year that they've had in the 2020. Golf. Uh, 
the horse races, uh, things out of phase, but they're going on nevertheless. And basketball season, of course, is just about to begin. So Tony Rigsby will be here tomorrow night. Wednesday night, Nick Petro from the National Weather Service will be here. And coming up is uh, severe winter preparedness week. It's actually next week. And uh, But we, we, we stole the march on by asking Nick to come and talk with us this week. Tomorrow will be the first day of winter meteorologically and also, by the way, the end of the hurricane season. It'll be interesting to talk a little bit about that and how it turned out. It was just about exactly what the guys had predicted it would be. But we're about to enter winter. Uh, the winter, according to the meteor- meteorological charts, uh, is uh, December, January, and February. We, we know that astronomically winter does not begin until about December 21st or 22nd, the shortest uh, day of the year. But in any event, Nick will be here to talk about the weather on Wednesday night. And my friend uh, Woody Seymour will be here. We're going to do another program that has to do with aspects of radio. Uh, and this is, has to do with uh, the jocks on AM radio, my uh, cousin Brucey and Dick Beyonce and Art Roberts and people like that. And uh, sort of like our program that we used to do called Listen, uh, Waiting for the Sun to Go Down, listening to distant rock and roll stations, WLS, WoWo in Fort Wayne, WKBW in Buffalo, WABC in New York. That's what we're going to talk about on Thursday night. Friday night will be trivia night. We're going to talk about the trivia to help you get ready for the season of Christmas movies and which ones would be good to watch to get you in the mood. So there you go. And we're back to talking about the nostalgia tonight. And uh, one of the things that uh, I ask you if you knew who Floyd Collins was, and I can't believe, I don't believe that everybody in the audience would know that. Most people would not know that, but there's always one that does know that. And what we need to do is to ask that person not to be bashful, to dial 919-860-9783 and tell me who Floyd Collins was. Uh, He was the center of a big media circus. And what we're talking about here a little bit is how radio became the first broadcasting medium that brought events and coverage to us instantaneously and tied the nation together. We've mentioned the networks that were formed. Uh, reach back in your mind. We talked about this on a program earlier this year, and I, I remember it so well. And tell me the first time you remember hearing a radio or or even a TV broadcast. I prefer radio since that's what we're doing tonight. Uh, that had to do with with politics. We're not going to talk politics, but we're going to talk radio. And the reason I say this is I've I grew up in Goldsboro, North Carolina, listening to WPTF and occasionally to WGBR, our sister station in Goldsboro, which had the ABC network, by the way. WPTF had NBC. And if you were in that neighborhood and you, you wanted to listen to CBS, you could listen to WGTM in Wilson, North Carolina, a station that has gone dark, as they say in the radio business. And that means it's not on the air anymore. But GBR is still there. And it had ABC News, and you got a sense uh, of what was going on in the world. And, of course, one of my favorite broadcasters was probably one of yours, a guy named Paul Harvey, news and comments, and the rest of the story, and things like that. And there were other news broadcasters, because, like, TV has a, a, a half-hour 
uh, each night, uh, usually at 6.30, uh, the radio station said, well, CBS had Lowell Thomas. Uh, I think um, NBC, when I was listening, had a guy named Morgan Beatty. And uh, I think Gabriel Heater may have been on the ABC News. John, are you signaling me? John. I've lost, no, Tom. I lost my producers. I I'm heard, right here. I heard an alter, a change there, and I thought maybe you were, you were signaling me. But we were talking about broadcasting. When did you first remember becoming aware of, say, the, the since it was it needs to be a big deal here, the presidential race? Uh, my first remembrance was uh, uh, on television was uh, 1952 when I happened to visit my aunt and uncle. Eastern North Carolina had no TV stations then, uh, and uh, but they Norfolk had a TV station. It was a CBS affiliate, and they were broadcasting the political conventions. We talked about this back in in August when we had the political conventions, and I remember watching the Republican convention. I'm nine years old now, so I don't really quite know what this is all about. But this is a part of learning what it's all about. I was always fascinated by politics and by presidential elections. And some guy named Robert Taft was running for the nomination for the Republicans. That's what we saw at the convention against General Eisenhower. And, of course, I had grown up on General Eisenhower, and I couldn't figure out why anybody would want to compete with him. Well, that's the story of it all right there is why anybody would want to compete in in the competition for the nominations and then the competitions for the elections. Still a big deal. And it was a big deal in 1920 when we had the James Cox, Warren G. Harding election. It was broadcast on KDKA and demonstrated the effectiveness of broadcasting for conveying information instantaneously to a large number of people. And actually, a large number of people that they measured did not actually hear that broadcast. Something like a thousand did. But there weren't that many radios. But this started the building of radios and the beginning of radio stations. I've already told you how WBT in Charlotte and WPTF in Raleigh came on in 1922 and 1924 and were then, as they are now, sources of broadcast information. Uh, And one of the reasons I'm mentioning this is during the first week of November of this year, and I forgot about it at that time, the the anniversary of that 100, the 100th anniversary of the broadcast by KDKA in 1920 took place. And I sort of believe that uh, you need to know your history and you need to remember your history and to remember how long ago that was. But, but it opened up the 20s, and they became the roaring 20s, and they became the 20s when you had a lot of media and a lot of media coverage, and it made big deals out of things. That's why I want you to tell me who Floyd Collins was. One of the guys that they made a big deal out of was a guy guy named Charles Lindbergh. Now, in the old days, he might have flown across the Atlantic by himself, and uh, nobody would have known it until some ship got back to New York with a message. But uh, radio made it possible, and he became a creation, creation of the medium, of the media. The media would include, of course, the newspapers and magazines, but now it includes radio. And the golden age of radio was from the 20s until uh, the early 1950s when when TV moved in. But radio did not die, and it still has not died. And so we are here tonight talking to you 
But uh, in any event, uh, you know that Charles Lindbergh was created by the media. Uh, another person who was created by the media could have been uh, known as George Herman Ruth. Uh, you probably know him as uh, as Babe Ruth, uh, Red Grange, Bill Tilden, who I believe was a tennis player. All of these, the World Series was first broadcast in 1921 by KDKA, I believe. Maybe it was also carried on WBZ in Boston, which was also, like KDKA, owned by Westinghouse Broadcasting. Westinghouse was the big competitor with uh, Edison. And the name George Westinghouse is often recognized and given as much credit as Thomas Alva Edison is given. But if you remember who the first politician you heard on the radio running for governor or president, dial 919-860-9783. And we've got to, I've got to, I've thrown down the gauntlet, I've got to bet with myself that we can find out who Floyd Collins was by the end of this broadcast. 919-860-9783. And if you have uh, some broadcast-connected topic, something that you are nostalgic about, that may have disappeared, as a lot of things may have in just this one year, because I don't think uh, when the virus is over, we're going to go back to what was. There, There isn't a normal. It's going to be changing, and uh, there will be room to, to meditate on, on nostalgia at that point. 919-860-9783. We'll be back. I'll remind you again, Tony Rigby tomorrow night, we talk sports, certainly a little bit of baseball, and, and uh, I don't know exactly what else. Uh, we always have good conversations when Tony's here. Uh, Wednesday night, we're going to talk about weather. Severe winter weather preparedness week is next week, and we stole the march on this. I, I thought we would try to have uh, Nick on before uh, that, because he's pretty busy during that time, and uh, Technically, the, the meteorological winter, uh, the time that the Weather Service calls winter, begins tomorrow, and the, the hurricane season ends today, right at midnight tonight. So, and uh, by the way, I looked it up. Uh, Mrs. Kearney wanted to know the full moon, which if we didn't have clouds you could see, was to be at 10, no, 4.30 a.m. this morning, in the, in the wee hours of the morning. But it will look kind of full for two or three days. Uh, the, the thing said on the National Weather Service website. Nobody has called to tell me who Floyd Collins is. And so I'm, I'm kind of interested in finding I'm not going to, I'm not going to say that. It will, you'll either have to look it up or, or somebody will have to call and tell us. But uh, it was a media circus, and that is something we've become all too familiar with. Uh, uh, radio was the first medium that brought that kind of instantaneous delivery of broadcasting that is broadcasting rather like broadcasting seeds when you're putting out seeds for grass or something, spraying it all over everywhere so that people could hear it. And uh, they realized that, and that's why it's in the history books, why if you go to a standard history book, it's likely that they will say that uh, the birth of modern radio came with the Harding-Cox election returns 
and broadcast by KDKA in Pittsburgh. And by the way, unlike most of the broadcasting stations in the United States, most of the stations that begin with the letter K, the United States has assigned both of those letters as the first letter in their stations. Uh, uh, most of the stations east of the Mississippi are W stations, like WPTF or WABC or WSB in Atlanta or whatever, and the stations west of the Mississippi are not 100%, but most of them. If you find a station west of the Mississippi that begins with a W, you can be sure it's an old station, that it's been around like WPTF has since the grandfathers began. Uh, but uh, uh, the, uh, the station KDKA got the call letters, and it was next in line. They didn't choose them. WPTF's owners chose theirs. WPTF was We Protect the Family, the, 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 the uh, slogan of the insurance company that at that time owned the radio station. And uh, in many places, the letters were chosen specifically to represent something. But KDKA was just the next group of letters in line. Westinghouse owned it, as they did a number of other stations, including, for those of you who are from Philadelphia, KYW, which is the all-news station in Philadelphia. And I think they own WINS in New York, which was a news station. But uh, before that, it was where Alan Freed, uh, the father of uh, rock disc jockeys, I guess you'd say, worked when it was a rock and roll station until it turned all-news, like uh, WABC turned from rock and roll to news talk in, in, in the same general time period. And we're going to talk about uh, one of the big voices at WABC on Thursday night when Woody Seymour is here. So we've got an interesting radio com week coming up, and, and uh, in some cases you'll be able to talk with us. Uh, and and I, will, I hope you will, in fact, do that. Um, so uh, Friday night, we're going to have a couple of Friday nights when we have uh, the host... Uh, deduct some trivia that has to do with Christmas movies. Nothing like sitting down in front of Miracle on 34th Street or It's a Wonderful Life or A Christmas Story or Christmas in Connecticut or one of the classic Christmas movies of all time to get you in the mood for, for Christmas and to bring back perhaps a lot of memories. I remember, for instance, that uh, I think it's a limited number of times you can watch It's a Wonderful Life now each year. And I can remember when you could watch it. Uh, I think I was on five channels at the same time, not at, not at the same place. But uh, somebody had failed to cover the copyright on it, and uh, it was uh, in the general market. And so lots of stations could rent it and indeed play it and play it over and over again. So a lot of us became semi-experts with, with Jimmy Stewart and Donna Reed, Thomas Mitchell, and the like, and watching It's a Wonderful Life. To get in the mood, for Christmas, Saturday, Friday night, I think December 4th and December 11th. And on December 18th, the week before Christmas, my brother Stephen and I are going to have our annual Saturday morning uh, show uh, trivia program. And uh, if you know who Wiley Coyote was, you, you'll be okay. Uh, and uh, that's, that's what that's going to be all about. That's pretty much what's coming up in December. Well, it's been nice to talk with you tonight, to remind you of the beginning of the history of modern radio, and to not find out who Floyd Collins was. 